It's time to rock and roll <laughs> all night and party every day. Dun, 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 dun. We're going to be in this comic now. We're putting our blood in the ink and... I don't think it's you... in the Sports Illustrated <laughs> issue. You drive us wild, we'll drive you crazy. You buy our comic, we'll make some money. <laughs> Alright, welcome to Divisive Issues. We have a very uh, special episode for you tonight. They're all special episodes, Joe. This is very special. Very, very special. <laughs> How cause... special is it? <laughs> tonight, we're looking at celebrity comics. Um, these are all kind of cross-promotional um, titles where celebrities have their own comic and good things happen for everyone involved. Uh, we've picked three winners. Um with great history in in comics uh one in particular uh, has a lot of urban myths surrounding it um oh, and okay I, I was like which, yeah. which one which one the only one that has like the urban myths surrounding charles barkley <laughs> charles barkley the infamous charles barkley <laughs> but no i i read these and i think we've picked some winners tonight i'm feeling very good i'm riding high so who are you i feel like i, I feel like tonight's episode is gonna be a slam dunk ryan <laughs> I'm Joe Siano, by the way, which is what Ryan's trying to yes, get at. Yes, I'm Sly Crapo. And I'm Ryan Lynch. Y'all know who the hell I am at this point. But, you know, this, this is how you... Do we have to do this every time, Joe? All the time. Do we have to argue about well, this every time? Well, we have to... A regular segment is introducing ourselves, and another regular segment is arguing over whether we should introduce ourselves. Ah, <laughs> uh, wanna rock and roll? <laughs> okay. We're doing the Kiss comic, by the way, in case you haven't guessed yet. Also, at this point, you've downloaded it, and you can see the title of the episode. <laughs> Well, maybe they maybe they're just you know streaming it right now. Oh, wait, they, wait, what's the title of our episode? Is a kiss? Is 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 there a kiss pun in this? Eminem kiss with Charles Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great. Actually, I guess I guess that, if if if, if you're if you're in the car with someone and they put this on and they're forcing you to listen to it against their, your will, you don't know what books we talk about. Uh, if you're um if you're listening right now, Avery, I hope you do this to jail. <laughs> so our first uh, title up. Is Kiss? Does it? It's just called the Kiss comic. No, is... it's Marvel Super Special. Let me see that actual title. <laughs> can we? Uh, can we be a Super Special at some point? Can we have a Super like a every like a, episode Super Special? Yeah, but I know we like the BVS <laughs> like um, episode, but we need more Super Special like giant sized episodes. Okay, with special guests. Special, yeah, absolutely. You should have got Ariel on this one. Oh, where's Ariel? What's your thoughts on Kiss? <laughs> I actually saw Kiss with her last summer. Shut up! I actually no kissed way. her. <laughs> And, and, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this is Marvel Comics Super Special number one. And this series is actually really interesting because this was where Marvel had like a bunch of com- uh, comic book adaptions of movies. Is this when they were doing Star Wars? Well, uh, I think they have an adaptation of Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back in a Marvel Super Special issue. And they also have an adaptation of Doom. By, with Bill Sienkiewicz as the artist. Wait, Dune? Dune. Like Frank Herbert's Dune? Like uh, like the chocolatey drink? Uh, uh, the Lynch movie, Lynch movie Dune and <laughs> yeah. the book. Uh, what what chocolatey drink, Joe? <laughs> Ovaltine? <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, like like you, you get the like the debris, and you put it in the drink. What are you talking about? <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway. Okay, so, Dune. I was, I was referencing, like, a, a really old Dane Cook joke that none of oh, you know. Oh, The movie Dune is of in course. my chocolatey drink. Oh, I should have listened more intently when the that kid Sean in my Italian class would listen to Dane Cook really loudly <laughs> in seventh grade, because that's the most exposure I have to him. It was not- a good joke. <laughs> It was A+. Plus. Fuck you, Ryan. But, uh, <laughs> another notable uh, Marvel Comics Super Special issue is the Howard the Duck uh, adaptation of Howard the Duck, the movie, which is an adaptation of Howard the Duck, the comic, which is... Uh, okay, I would not call that movie an adaptation of the comic for what it's worth. <laughs> Wait, I'm just being ironic it? here. I've seen most of it. Oh, I feel like that's an episode waiting to happen. Oh, oh. my god, it is. <laughs> that's the next Super Special! Oh yeah! <laughs> Perfect choice. Yes. But I bring up Howard the Duck because... The Marvel Comics Super Special Number One is drawn by Steve Gerber. It's written by Steve Gerber. Written by Steve Gerber, <laughs> and drawn by a bunch of people, including Sal Buscema and John Buscema, which are notable Spider-Man artists. The and Steve Gerber is is a legend. Yeah, Steve Gerber uh, created Howard the Duck, and the funny thing is, Kiss actually shows up in Howard the yeah. Duck. Have you guys read Steve Gerber's Howard the Duck? Not the I Kiss issues. Read his man thing. That's not what I asked. Joe. Howard the Duck shows up in his man thing. I know. So it's so facto, I've read his Howard the Duck. I guess. I've read A Howard the Duck by Steve Gerber. Uh, I've re- I just finished his run, and it is one. It is probably my favorite comic run of the 70s. How's kissing it? Uh, Kiss is pretty great. <laughs> if not my favorite. Did they lick it up? I don't I don't think... Lick it up might not have been out by then. Oh, damn. <laughs> I thought you were talking about porno. Like a Howard the Duck kiss porno. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> No, it wouldn't. I said that, and then I thought about it. No, never mind. Uh, but Steve Gerber is noted for being way ahead of his time. Oh, he's like, amazing. Like, decades ahead of his time. And, like, his Howard the Duck, to me, is still the most poignant political commentary on America that I've ever seen in comic book form. So that is not really the Steve Gerber we get here. What are you... What are you... But we don't get a bad Steve Gerber here. I didn't say that. But we do not get deep-seated American this, this, satire. This is not the, uh, the first isn't book it, you want to be a Steve isn't, isn't it deep-seated American satire on American pop culture? I don't I'm know. I'm Kiss culture. Okay. Like, what the fuck are people so, listening let's, to? <laughs> what, are, what are their thoughts on Kiss, by the way? How much do you guys know about Kiss? I listen to a few of their songs, um, which I generally enjoy. Uh, Gene Simmons blows fire. Uh, they enjoy ladies a lot, apparently. That's true. Um, and they like to, they do a lot of commercial things. Okay, yeah, that's very true. You can buy a Kiss coffin if you want. That's literally a thing that exists. My biggest experience... I, I, I appreciate if you really love Kiss, there are options for you <laughs> to explore your fandom. My biggest experience of Kiss is when Gene Simmons starred in a James Bond ripoff movie called Never Too Young to Die, and he played a transvestite over-the-top villain in that, and it was awesome. That sounds pretty great. I'm going to save... Uh, my favorite kiss thing for my recommendation, which I just realized is definitely going to be my recommendation for the mo- for this episode. But uh, my parents love Kiss a lot, and I've seen Kiss a bunch of times. And Kiss is a band that I love but hate their music so much. <laughs> I, I am not a Kiss fan at all, but I love that they exist more than anything. <laughs> and their, their image, goes ahead. Their yeah. image, their shameless self-promotion the fact that like they still do these ridiculous tricks on stage where like Paul Stanley still swings over the crowd but needs a stagehand to help get him out of the harness when he lands like they are the most shameless self-absorbed group of people I've ever seen like that exist in the world and this comic is such a perfect adaptation of Kiss (laughs) how do you feel about this book? I love it it is 
This book I would have been so bored with if it was long, but it's so short that it is so... It is what, perfect length. It is the perfect length yeah. for how ridiculous it is and crazy. If you're... If you like celebrity tie-ins, this is this the is gold the, standard. I feel like this is like the first, or this is one of the first. It's one of the first ones. When did this come out? Do we 1977. Know? 77, okay. And, uh, and, oh yeah, we should mention the backstory on this issue, which is that Kiss gave their blood and the blood was used for the ink process of this comic. It was supposed to be. It was supposed to be. There's a rumor that it was, and there, like, and there's a rumor that it actually went to a Sports Illustrated <laughs> issue, which is hilarious. Yeah, the Kiss swimsuit issue. <laughs> so, the, the, the issue opens up with Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. To I don't know who Paul Stanley is. I Paul Stanley's the lead singer and, and the much worse guitar player. Okay, is so, he the lead singer? Yeah. Okay. Listen, guys. I was assuming Gene Simmons was the lead. Yeah, me now. too, actually. No, Gene Simmons sings sometimes. I'm so glad we have a rock. Who sings? Who sings rock and roll all night? I think Gene Simmons. Yeah, sings I think Gene Simmons. Yeah, screw you, Ryan. Okay, listen. If you go see Kiss, Paul Stanley's gonna sing like 80 percent of the set. Who sings? Look it up. I don't know. <laughs> Who sings God of Thunder? I don't know. I don't like Kiss. <laughs> I like Because I'm pretty sure Gene Simmons sings all of these songs. Hey, Paul Stanley sings a lot. Okay. I'm not doubting you. Either way, he's the worst guitar player. Ace Freely's the only talented member of that whole fucking band. <laughs> <laughs> How do you really feel about Kiss, though? <laughs> so, so Gene Simmons... So it shows up with Gene Simmons bitching about... He has to make the, tr- the passage from... This is regular plain clothes Gene Simmons. Yeah, this is like yeah. Real, real world Gene Simmons. And like, they're not... Kiss doesn't exist. Kiss is not a concept in this book. We should clarify the backstory yeah. on this. Yeah. The lore two, of this world. They're just two... Much like... Reg- they look just like Kiss, where they're like two like ugly middle-aged guys with nothing really to offer. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're making a passage from accountants. <laughs> you, you're going to tell me Gene Simmons is an attractive guy? I'm not going to do this on the podcast. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> Ryan really fucking hates I have had Kiss shoved in my face my whole life, and sometimes, through the span of a sentence, I go from loving them to hating them. I have a very complicated relationship. Oh, this is going to be great. Let's keep going. So they're making a passage from adolescence to accountancy, and Gene Simmons says, Can you believe that, man? Yeah, actually, you ordered me to ditch my comic collection. The hell of it is, Paul. I mean, I keep thinking, maybe he's right. Maybe life is just shopping lists and car payments and checkbooks and car net bills. So just Gene Simmons bitching about, like, oh, I have to get a job now. I have to get a job, yeah. I know, isn't that great? And uh, and, uh, the other guy, Gene... (laughs) It's very relatable. Who wants to get a job? I think Gene Simmons started as, like, an English teacher or something. Before he was a rock star. So I guess that's... uh... (laughs) I'm curious to see how that went. (laughs) He's like, I'm being told I'm too old for comics, man. Maybe it's true. Maybe you gotta go over fantasies, Paul. And I actually love this because if you're like reading this for Kiss and you're like, I don't know if comics are for me, and then they're like, No, comics are so counter arts, like or like counterculture. Yeah. Like if you love Kiss, you love comics. Like, do yeah. this. Kiss is pretty nerdy. It's when great. You really look at. It. No, absolutely is. But like at the time though, this is great marketing for them. Yeah. And then they meet a guy, a hobo, getting the shippy out of him. And it's a guy who's like balding, has sunglasses on, and he's has balling, balding. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's balling too. <laughs> I mean, he's that too, but he's also balding. And, and he has a belly shirt, a yellow belly shirt that says oh, "Play hard, yeah. play fair, nobody hurt." <laughs> and he has like he's like tar- not wearing pants or something. Right? He has like Tarzan one cloth on. <laughs> yeah, he's like that guy who's like clearly past the age group for the rock concert. And like they still going really hard. Have you been to a Kiss concert? <laughs> I've no, Ryan. I've not been to a Kiss concert. <laughs> They're all like to those me? guys. 
There we go. <laughs> and like, and like, uh, these guys are beating him up, and he's speaking in a very Thor way. And then he sees the Kiss members saying, "By the gods, they're here! They've come! Heads up, flaming youth! Hither comes your destiny!" And he throws his box at them. It's like a red box, right? Yeah, it's like, and, and it's like a red science science box. Yeah, it's good. Like yeah, kind of like a jewelry box a little bit. Yeah, and he's like, "Go fulfill thy promise. Realize all of all of you are thou art." And they go and start running for their lives. <laughs> yeah, they start running from this gang. The gang who was beating up this old man. Because they wanted chasing. the box, right? Yeah. Then we now get... start, start chasing soon-to-be Kiss. Yeah, we then we meet the other guys. Peter, Chris, and Ace Frarely. And... <laughs> Fly? <laughs> Ace Freely. Ace <laughs> Ryan said his name at least like five different times. I am not listening to anything Ryan says, just for a <laughs> His kiss hate is not tolerated here, and it'll be replaced by my kiss ignorance. Only I'm allowed to hate and love kiss. You guys have to stay lukewarm at best. So they like run in and they have this goofy scene where they throw the box at. They're playing pinball. Yeah, and, and Ace Freely's like super nerd. Like he like talks like Beast does in the '60s X-Men comics, where he's like, "Oh well, I do declare that the the I do declare." Yeah. <laughs> like a seven that's, that's my impression of a smart guy. <laughs> my stars and garters. Yeah. <laughs> All my stars and garters. I am gay yeah. the papers, sir. Yeah. So he's he's, he's Talia from Batman Odyssey, <laughs> but he says like you know that. Pinball is is a metaphor Pinball for the is universe. A very complex. Yeah, and all this involved. stuff. And does this does this character stay like this for the rest of the book, or is it only on these first like two pages? I think it's more for the first like two pages. Yeah, much like in Kiss Cannon it themselves, Ace Freely and Peter Chris are super forgotten and underrated for the rest of this book. Weirdly enough, the only two members' names I know are Peter Chris from and... Family Guy. Yes, yeah, so from Family Guy. <laughs> by the way, I'm so... Gene by the way, I'm so glad we're doing an Eminem episode because it's the only time I could do what Ryan is doing with. An episode which is nerding out about music stuff. <laughs> so, getting into the story, they meet up, the kiss, kiss unite, and they get hounded by these guys that beat up the old man. And then they open the box in order to escape. And inside are, are a bunch of kiss action figures and, and, and like, a shurikens. Star. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a shuriken, but it's a star, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I forgot about this. And this then, is great. And then they turn into... They More go, merchandising by Kiss. Yeah. They turn into... They enter a phone booth, they open the box, and they exit the phone booth as Kiss. Ass Kiss? As, <laughs> ass kissers. <laughs> you're kissing asses. And, they, and then uh, Gene Simmons breathes fire. I forget the, the fucking superhero names. They have the same superhero names they have on the show. Uh, uh, he's, he's... I think Gene Simmons is the demon. Yeah, the demon. Uh, let me think. Paul Stanley is Starchild... Oh yeah, Star Child and Ace Freely and Peter Chris are forgotten. <laughs> it's, it's like it's a Catman or something like that. Yeah. So the the, the demon uh, Gene Simmons breathes fire on them. He like torches these people. Yeah, he's like he's he's fucking hardcore. He's my favorite yeah. part. <laughs> and uh, Star Child is just like uh, about to fight this guy. He says, "Well, all right, a Bruce Lee fan, but I got news for you, Nunchakaroo. The dragon <laughs> is dead. You dig it?" Dead and gone, and you're paralyzed with grief. And you like paralyzes the guy with his powers. So now at this point, they're wearing all their stage gear, and Paul Stanley has his classic like just chest outfit on. Yeah, it's like yeah. a onesie spandex that you cut out the whole front top. Of. Yeah, it goes pretty deep on him too. Yeah, it goes deep. Can yeah. you imagine like 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 everyone's pretty n- normal around them? Like everyone's like, oh, just kiss. What's what's the big deal? But like no one's like oh, this guy with, like no shirt on. This is also the Marvel universe. There's a lot oh, of spoilers, by the way. This book takes place in the Marvel oh, Universe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the record, Paul Stanley still wears that outfit, and he's, like, way old now. Ew. Yeah, ew. So Don't th- get, if you go see Kiss, I highly recommend it. Don't sit in the front. 
So then uh, Star Child teleports them to... Um, Their powers are never, like, exposition explained. They just do these things. Yeah, I guess Star Child has teleportation. I'm cool with that. I just assume Kiss can do these naturally. <laughs> Demon yeah. has, like, fire breath, like you mentioned. I think Catman turns into a cat and the cat stuff. Like, wow, I'm Catman. I wish we could have referenced the Superman Silver Age issues, but we weren't allowed to, Sly. <laughs> I will never lose down. You won't. <laughs> I hope we never do it and it goes down in Divisive Issues canon as, like, the lost episode. <laughs> We never do. The time Josiano never got what he wanted. It'll be like issue 200, and it'll be like, finally, the legendary Catwoman episode. And, and it'll be like, it's alright. And fans will be like, finally, the f- prophecy's been fulfilled. <laughs> the prophecies were true. This book is truly alright. <laughs> so they teleport to uh, uh, Ellis Island, and where the Statue of Liberty is. And they're like, what have we become? We're monsters. and But it's awesome, I guess. I love how quickly they're like, we super murdered a bunch of people. Yeah. So, and then uh, Sarge has like, oh, look at the moon. It's so overstuffed. And Demon's just like, shut the fuck up about the fucking moon. <laughs> but it turns out that's not moon. It's a battle station by Doom. Dr. Doom. Yeah. Yeah, this was my favorite part when reading this, because I just assumed this was just like a random kiss story. And then Dr. Doom shows up. <laughs> he shows up with and gypsies I'm like, what? serenading him and like throwing flowers at him. Uh, Spoilers, they're going to kill those gypsies too. But it's okay. They're spoilers, robots. those gypsies are also robots. <laughs> but Doombots. they don't know that when they set them on fire. Oh yeah, fire. They, they start killing them and then they're like, oh, they're Doombots, that's very convenient. I think they literally say that. They're, that's very convenient they're Doombots. They do, they're like, oh, good thing, because we almost killed those, those yeah. women. So the Doombot, Doom was like, oh, I'm a gypsy, and I want your, the magic of that box. Which they, I find really weird that Dr. Doom wants to, like, kiss. Uh, they surprisingly go deep into Dr. Doom's backstory in this book. Yeah, they they reference Dr. Doom's backstory more than 95% of Fantastic Four comics. Yeah, and also, they have even have, like, this comic comes with a bunch of backup stuff, like the history of Kiss. I didn't read those. Yeah, me neither. History of Kiss. Has history of Dr. Doom. Yeah, history Doesn't of Dr. Doom, I was going to say. Yeah. Has history of Dr. Doom, so I imagine, like, Kiss fans saying, who's this Dr. Doom fellow? And they're like, oh, now I know. I, He's a gypsy that has magic powers. Okay. This Dr. Doom guy seems pretty rad. Where can I see more of him? I was going to read those things, and then I saw all these weird posed pictures of Kiss with first aid kits. I was like, I'm okay. That's them giving the blood transfusions, by the way. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> now, that actually, you said, like, Kiss fans find out about Dr. Doom. I wanted to ask you guys, who's the audience for this? Comic fans? Or Kiss fans. I think Kiss fans. Kiss fans. Kiss fans. It's like Kiss fans that want some memorabilia. Yeah. It's like Kiss fans who want to read Kiss in a comic book, okay. and then they also get this wonderful gateway to the Marvel universe. Yeah, I think, like, Mar- I've bought I think Marvel saw this as an opportunity. Like, we can make people be like, hey, who's this Dr. Doom fella? Yeah. I want yeah. to more of him. Which is actually pretty smart. Yeah. Because, like, I've bought magazines because, like, my favorite band did a Spotlight article. Like, magazines I would never read without that. So, like, you know, that would be... I would... If I was a big Kiss fan in the 70s, I could see buying this comic. Yeah. So then do- then uh, they beat Dr. Doom, but like people are like, the crowd's gathering. Off panel, they just say, a crowd's gathering, we have to leave. We can't draw this How thing. do they beat Dr. Doom? They just, they just f- fire beat on him. <laughs> fire yeah, they kind of like burn all of his Doom bots, and, yeah. like, and then they just kind of teleport out of there. Yeah, I a- get why he wants this box, because if it's that powerful that these total novices could just beat Dr. Doom. Yeah, by the way, Dr. Doom is like a... Like oh, the Fantastic Four, yeah. like a lot of times they're like, "Well, we can beat Doctor Doom." And it turns out to be a Doom bot because yeah. they're like, "Oh, Doctor Doom can't be defeated that easily." It was actually just my doppelganger. But this is really him. Yeah. yeah. Did they beat him or did they just kind of bail? No, they the Doctor Doom like Doctor Doom bails. He's like, "Oh, I can't beat them. I have to go." Oh. They, their kiss power is too much for me. Do you think that these kiss action figures are actually just reformed Infinity Stones? <laughs> <laughs> I think that Doctor Doom just wants to really look like Kiss. 
And that's why he doesn't want I, it for the power, I think he just too. wants the aesthetics of it. <laughs> He's just like, I just want that look. I want that tongue. Yeah, Imagine Dr. Looks- Doom's mask with that tongue coming out. <laughs> that would be awesome. If we have any really talented artistic fans, please draw us some Kiss Dr. Doom slash fic and email us to oh my species gmail. Gene Simmons tonguing Dr. Doom. We will absolutely make that like our Twitter profile picture or something because that is amazing. So then we have a bunch of cameos. Especially since Ryan loves Kiss so much. Also hate. I love hate. It's both. <laughs> then they have a bunch of needless cameos in the Marvel Universe, so people reading this are like, who's this Spider-Man this fella? Is... Spider-Man is like, what's going on? I better call the Fantastic Four. And the Fantastic Four is like, what's going on? I better call the Avengers. And the Avengers are like, what's going on? We better call Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange like, I don't know. Says, what's going on? Better call the Defenders. And then, it's just... who are all conveniently in his basement. <laughs> yeah. They're just waiting there like... They're all rec- recording podcasts. <laughs> The Defenders, by the way, are like a, a team of non-hero heroes. Like they, they like coincidentally team up. It's like the Hulk, Submariner, like a bunch of people that normally like blow up shit. This actually, I found really interesting. Daredevil's on this page. Yeah, I didn't know he was in the Defenders. Me neither. And they're making a show of the Defenders on Netflix, and Daredevil's gonna be in it. And I was like, oh, that's just because he was on the Netflix show. Apparently, I learned from the Kiss comic <laughs> that he has a history with the team. See, his books informative and entertaining. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that's actually his them calling because I'm. Unless he well, wasn't, and this. they just fucked this up. I feel like they did, but... Either way, we'll look there's a history. This is canon. It is. So, then we get to part two. Precisely as hot as hell. And Gene and Paul end up in what looks like heaven. And a bunch of uh, angels sort of like... Uh, started like crossing them. Oh, yeah, this happens like out of nowhere. Yeah, there's got... all these like interviews, and then it cuts to part two, like interviews like in text. Yeah, and then it's part two, and I'm like, wait, what's going on? Isn't yeah. Mephisto there? First, the gods. Ryan there. just loves spoiling future parts of this yeah. book right now. <laughs> so, God is actually God, Yahweh, our Lord and Savior. There. I always get him confused with the uh, red Marvel villain. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's like, "Oh, you are in paradise now. Enjoy your stay." And Jean and uh, Paul is like, "I love this." And Gene Simmons is like, "I don't buy this. I'm a demon. I hate heaven." <laughs> and then he starts uh, breathing fire on all the angels, <laughs> <laughs> who are also Doom bots. No, just... <laughs> yeah. So first they kill innocent people, then they try to kill women, and it ends up being. Robots. Now he's just literally killing angels. He's trying to get killing angels, but coincidentally, they're actually demons. And it's Mephisto in disguise. Oh, okay. And Mephisto's like, oh, yes, you sought them by disguise, but you're in hell. Don't you love hell? But, like, again, they didn't see through the disguise. Just like Dr. Doom was like, you saw through my robots. They didn't. They just got lucky because they tried to murder these things. Yeah. And uh, so then. They're I li- feel like if they. I'm really. This is Mephisto's second appearance on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if they saw through the disguise, Gene Simmons wouldn't have burned them because he likes demons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then, uh, it turns out another one of Star Child's powers is to reveal their true selves. So he he casts light on the demons with his eye, and they turn from demons to slugs. <laughs> so all demons are slugs, I guess. They're just really wretched-looking ladies. Yeah. 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 So then uh, Gene Simmons is like, oh, send us back. And the is like, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, wretched-looking ladies, let's get out of here because we're kissed. <laughs> and then uh, they're like, oh, uh, yeah. Um, I'd so- rather suffer in Earth than rule in Hell or something. Same shit that Lucifer says. Yeah. And Mephisto's like, okay, get the fuck out of here. You be me. You be me. You're t- stronger to do me, Mephisto. I, I, uh, uh, kiss powers. I'm clearly no match for you, Kiss. You do guys you better get out of here. Kiss is going to be in Civil War? <laughs> <laughs> I think they'd be the deciding factor in Civil War. <laughs> they'll, be, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be like uh, Doctor Strange and the Watcher in the original Civil War. We're like, we're too powerful. We can't intercede. We would turn the tie too much on this politician. <laughs> And so then, uh, uh, cuts to the Andromeda Hustle, 
which is part three, which is the two other nobodies. I forget the fucking names. Whatever. Cat Guy and... Peter uh, Chris and Ace Freely. Freely. <laughs> Ace Freely are like, they end up on like a... Uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy spaceship with all these weird cookie aliens around. Yeah, they're they're really hooked on a feeling when they get there. And yeah, uh, Peter Chris is totally hitting it up with this actual cat lady this based f- on yeah, her makeup. This furry, yeah, she's pretty hot. Um, Beth, I- I'd bang her. That joke is for all of the Kiss fans because Beth is the best Kiss song. <laughs> Deal with it. So Beth is a furry. <laughs> That's yeah, canon. Um, I can't contest with. <laughs> I think Rock and Roll All Night is the best Kiss is, song. Is Beth a furry in the actual song? I probably not. But actually, probably I don't know. I like to imagine like oh, I like to imagine all the Kiss fans are like it's no, a, this breaks the law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say on the record that Beth is definitely a furry in the Kiss song. Beth. <laughs> so well, Ryan's our Kiss expert, so it must be true. Yeah. So then, uh, uh, the cat guy. I forget his fucking name. So the cat guy. Peter Chris, <laughs> writer of hit song Beth. So oh, did, I, did he write Beth? So yeah. that, that had to be canon then, because. Peter Chris wants to fuck Beth, and she's a furry. So Peter Chris is a furry. And yeah, he dresses like he's the first furry. Okay, you're right. <laughs> he's the first furry. The first furry gets his wish fulfillment. Yeah. And fucks up, almost fucks a furry, but they have to leave because... Uh, essentially, like, there's this whole subplot with, like, the... Whatever Beth's, like, you know, boyfriend is, like, the heavy uh, boss of, like, the space station. And they wind up fighting him, and then they have to go. And Peter Chris and Peter Chris and the lady, I think, have like a very like somewhat heartfelt goodbye. Yeah. G- uh, Steve Gerber is writing Willie Shiden's story. This perfect scene. It's not bad. I, I remember when Joe read it, he cried at this point, I think. <laughs> I was like, I want to rock and roll an iron party every day. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Peter Chris and this Beth have a very romantic relationship, but then he has to leave and meet with Gene, and they go to Las Vegas. I am shocked that this doesn't end with a concert, this issue. That's a really good point. It doesn't. I'm shocked. Instead, it, me- it ends with that guy with the play hard, play fair, nobody hurts her. Oh, from the beginning. Uh, he, now he doesn't talk like uh, as Gar. Now he talks like a regular guy, and he's like, oh, you got to fight... Uh, Doom, because Doom wants your powers, and you are too powerful to have Doom have your powers. You're more powerful than Doom. You are like God tier. By the way, if this was a regular comic. It would be very boring to have Kiss just kill everyone in every issue. Yeah, so this wasn't an ongoing. So we were, we were talking about them going to Doom's backstory. This is where Doom became got got his metal helmet. He got it from these these Tibetan monks. Who, and he also mentions his gypsy mom. His gypsy mom who had magic powers. Yeah, and uh, his, his, gypsy, dad. his dad was a gypsy, and he died trying to save Doom. And he died because he's a gypsy, and Gypsy Doom was like, I hate everyone now because my gypsy dad is dead. Yeah. And uh, in Tibet, actually. And uh, Tibetan monks show up, and it's more Doom bots. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, peace with you, Outlanders. Eternal peace. And they take off their cloaks, it's Doom bots. <laughs> and they blow up Doom bots. Because and... they needed those disguises, because at this point, Kiss would never hurt innocent people. I really wish I could go around, like my whole life just fighting people assuming that they're Doombots <laughs> and having it be true. And then, yeah. the, then a giant pack of lips shows up and starts sucking them in. Wait, a pack of what? A giant rock made with, out of with lips. With big lips. Big oh, lips. Yeah. okay. The yeah. lip rock. Yeah. yeah. And it starts sucking them in and Starch has like... He's going to lick them up. At this point, I really wanted them to pull out a bomb from their bomb bag and throw it into the <laughs> mouth like every Zelda game. <laughs> and lips just start sucking them in and Starch is like... Don't try to fight it, Curly. Pretend you're making love. And 
And they're, they're like, no, it's sucking us in. We, can't, we have to resist. And he's like, now, nah, boys, one doesn't resist a lover. Oh. The harder you struggle against her, the more fatal her attraction goes. So, Don't struggle. Don't fight it. Just relax. They really like captured, your voice is so creepy. They really right captured Paul Stanley's oh, like God. creepy machismo here. <laughs> yeah, but it turns out it's like one of those things like quicksand. Like The more you try not have to suck your dick, it more wants to suck your dick. So you just let That's it. not how quicksand works. <laughs> I don't understand that analogy. That's not how that works. <laughs> but now that they give up fighting the rock, the rock stops suck, stop trying to suck them in. There you go. Thank you. Every okay. By the way, every scene is just there at a scene, and like now we have to teleport, and they teleport. Like there's no reason for any segue between <laughs> teleport. They don't go to place for any reason. They're like, we heard Bail. there might They're be just... Doombots here. Let's go. No, we heard there might be Tibetan monks here. Oh wait, the Doombots. Oops. I guess we gotta kill you anyway. I guess we're in heaven now. Yeah. So they teleport to uh uh, uh asteroid. And by the way, like the art is like very classic seventies Marvel. Like, yeah. If you're reading like seventies Adam Warlock. Or anything like that. It is. It looks like that, except kisses in it. Yeah, like it's honestly. If I was like, if this was in like a big book, and I was flipping through it, this would not stand out yeah. as like a special one-off issue. It fits with the Marvel style. It's actually neat because Which I think that's the point, though. I think yeah, this is just no, such I a agree. perfect introduction. To yeah, the... yeah, Because yeah. like yeah. the other, our other two books in this, in this in this series, they're trying to replicate more. A realistic style. This is trying to be Kiss in Marvel, basically. Yeah. yeah. So then, now on this asteroid, Doom is coincidentally there, and he starts fighting them, and and they're all now now they're not a match for Doom, and Doom starts. Now being, that they have a firmer grasp and and like have practiced with their powers, Doom kicks their ass. Yeah, and, and uh, Starch and not Starch. I don't know the guy. The other guy. Weird face mask, star on his face. Ace Freely. Ace Freely is like, oh come on, isn't that a little harsh? Even you must have been a kid once, Curly. And Doom is like, you're right, I was a kid once. And and then the Star Child starts like starts uh, tapping into Doom's mind, saying, what is it, Doom? What nerve did Ace touch? Talk to me, man. And start going into how Doom's daddy issues caused him to be angry at everything, and. So then the guy with the, the the weird belly shirt shows up and says, "The like the old homeless guy." Yeah, he opens the door in space. It's like it's like it's like they're in space and the door opens out of space and the guys there are saying, "Oh, you know that uh, you became just as bad as people who killed your dad. You are as bad as them." And Doom like lets them go. Yeah, Doom lets them yeah. go. Doom yeah. is like. Uh, d- d- you win this time. Yeah, like, like he gets guilt tripped into like letting. Them yeah, he gets guilt tripped yeah. by the old guy. The old guy says. Would your father prove of these? Yeah, the old guy who knows all about Doom's dad. Yeah, I feel like this. Do you know is who? The... I thought he. I thought. What's the Doom's like lackey Boris? This is not Boris. It was. Imagine <laughs> Boris. Boris by, Boris, by the way, is actually like a, a wise old guy, and this is like a guy in the belly shirt. Yeah. Imagine. I feel like he's... if Boris is like actually like a Kiss fan, this is what like because it's actually it's it's Boris. I feel like but at they make this him a Kiss point fan. in Marvel's history. Kiss might have been the first people to touch Doom's human side. <laughs> this is the most sympathetic Doom story yet. At this point. Yeah, probably. And 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 this guy's like, what will your would your father prove all these emotions, desires, Doctor Doom? He was a physician, a healer. And Doom's like, you dare? No man invokes my father's name against me and lives. And and guy's like, strike me down, Victor. And Doom's like, I cannot. Not you. Not the man who tutored my mother in the mystic arts. The man who spoke the eulogy over a grave. So this guy in the belly shirt was this guy who, who, who taught Doom's mother her magic powers. Yeah. 
And he's like, oh, uh, get the fuck out of here. I don't want your shit anymore. Get the fuck out. And they teleport out. And now uh, they're like, they're back on Ellis Island. They turn back to regular, ugly Gene Simmons and company. That's right. They're not a good-looking group of guys. (laughs) I never said that they were. Joe. Joe finds them hot. Why are we image-shaming Kiss, right? Why are you kink-shaming Joe? He finds aging rock stars sexy, Ryan. They... Why are you putting words in my mouth, A? <laughs> and Ryan, why is Ryan body shaming these men? Because it's Kiss. They deserve it. The only people that I feel deserve body shaming is Kiss. <laughs> so, and uh, the powers go back to the box, and the old guy's like, but uh, one day you must become Kiss again. The power will be stored in here until that day comes. And and, and they're like, why is, it, why is it called a box of Kiss? And the old guy's like, I don't know. Oh, but it's, yeah, the box, because the, they don't call themselves Kiss this whole time. The box is like... K-Y-S-Z. It's K-Z-Y-S-Z or something. Yeah. Like, it's something that up until they said this, I did not realize it was pronounced Kiss. Yeah, me too. And they're like, I, I guess that's a good name for us. We're, we're Kiss, which is the perfect name for a group of superheroes. Yeah. The What would you guys think of... Oh, it's great. I love I it. I agree. If you... it Like, it's exactly what Kiss in the Marvel Universe should be. Yeah. Like, and it's... The perfect writer. The yeah, perfect artist. Steve Gerber's so tongue-in-cheek with so many things, and, like, he's so... It's just... It's great. It's like, if... If, if you were like, I want a serious comic, this is not it. But if you're like... Like, you know what... If you, if you, if you, yeah. if you want a serious comic, and this is like your first comic, you made the wrongest yeah. choice of your life. But like, like I'm not saying... like but it's also whole... a, like a really good introduction. Like, it really... it. You get all the major players of the Marvel Universe at yeah. that time. Surprisingly, like, yeah. Yeah. So if you're a Kiss fan who wants to get into Marvel, track down a torrent of this, copy, of this comic because it costs like a million dollars. Because supposedly it has Kiss's blood in it. So, And if you do own this comic, you'll get Kiss's blood in your comic. Or maybe not. <laughs> maybe not, who knows. Maybe it's in a Sports Illustrated issue, so track that down instead. <laughs> also, should I list every single artist and writer that's on this book? Because there's a lot. Because the like the interviews and there's a lot of articles and stuff. It's kind of like a big magazine. Almost. Yeah, it's, it's like this was no, like, it was the magazine format. Yeah, Alan Weiss, Mary Severin's an anchor on this. Oh, Mer- really? Yeah, this is like an all-star. That is, yeah, this is like an amazing. all-star cast on this yeah. book. Like, th- like all these books, by the way, these are not like nobodies. Yeah, I, no, I think Marvel Marvel knew the opportunity this was to cross over to like a really big fan base. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> I think they swung for the fences. Like when these come out, do these actually sell well? Yeah, they had a sequel to this, which wasn't as hyped up and didn't sell as well. But uh, this one sold well. That's because it was like it was like an event. That's interesting. And uh, but yeah, other other creators are also John Rich Buckler, who I don't know, and the sure is Alan Milgram, who's familiar, but I can't remember what he. Al Milgram did. did West Coast Avengers. Oh yeah, he's awesome. He created uh, Ant Man from the Ant Man movie. And uh, George Costanza is the calligrapher. Actually, it's John Costanza. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, this is like Irv Watanabe. Actually, Irv Watanabe. Watanabe. <laughs> this is like uh, this is like if you were to pitch a Marvel book in the se- in like 1977, this is who you would want. It's like the yeah. all-star writing yeah. artist team. So now, getting to our next book, which is Godzilla versus Charles Barkley. So now I know I know a lot about Kiss. I know nothing about sports. Joe knows more about sports. I know. Tell sports. us about Charles Barkley's life, Joe. Uh, Charles Barkley. Um, I, all I know from him is Space Jam. Me too. <laughs> <Is> it, <laughs> and uh, Charles Barkley showed up in Jam. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a very uh, famous basketball player. But I think he's top fifty all time in the NBA. Uh, I think he had he had a really long sixteen year career. 
Wow. Which is a very long time in basketball. It's almost as long as we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> it feels like sometimes. <laughs> it fucking takes forever. It's fucking bullshit. No, but like at, at its basic, uh, at his basic core, Charles Barkley is, you know, that guy from Space Jam. Like, he's a very talented he's basketball player. He's the shorter player. one, right? No, no, that's Muggsy Bogues. Damn. Uh, Charles Barkley is the one is who... Is he tall? Uh, he's not Patrick Ewing or, or the... Uh, um, or I think it's Chris Bradley. Or Newman. Like he's not Newman either. Uh, or Michael Jordan. Yeah. Bill Murray. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's the guy. Lola Bunny. <laughs> I think he's the guy who, like, you know, when he's walking through the house, he's like, "Oh, hey, it's Charles Barkley," and then he can't play in the kids' school. Oh, he's like, he, "You're not Charles he, Barkley. You're some stands, wannabe." He stands there really sad on the fence. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. But um, he does. What does he do? He does uh commercials with like Spike Lee and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Um, he's on, I think, the NBA TNT panel. Um, he's, he's very entertaining. Charles Barkley. And Which God's is why I'm not surprised he's done so something like this. So when did this come out? This came out like 1992, I believe, I'm pretty sure. Is this yeah. a pre-Space Jam Charles Barkley? This is pre-Space Jam Charles Barkley. So, uh, just uh, getting back to Godzilla. I forget that there was a pre-Space Jam anything. <laughs> Godzilla is the king of monsters. Oh, yeah. And a giant, <laughs> <laughs> giant thunder lizard who breathes fire on everything. He shows up as abruptly in this explanation as he does in this book <laughs> so so uh this book i don't know the backstory or what came or what led Mar- i think this was a commercial like this was like a very famous commercial and then they made this comment oh it was that's a good point it was a commercial yeah. god that was guys over a commercial i don't know what for but i guess that i think i assume for shoes maybe it was for, i think it was for shoes actually that ma- that makes the climax of the story make a lot more sense yes so, so just to get to the backstory and the publisher, this is not Marvel. This is Dark Horse Comics. And Dark Horse Comics is a publisher that usually does very licensed stuff. They have done more with licensed properties than most other companies have done with anything. Yeah, so in the old days, like in the 70s and 80s, Marvel picked up a lot of licenses like Star Wars and stuff. Dark Horse, like in the 90s, they pretty much picked up all licenses that Marvel used to they have. They published Star Wars for like a couple decades. Yeah, and now yeah. like modern... Uh, Disney got control of Star Wars. Dark Horse gave over their rights to Marvel, and they mar- and they now they have like a trade of all the Dark Horse mm-hmm. best of books. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Dark Horse now they do the uh, I know they do the Buffy comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they do uh, the Firefly ones too. Yeah, and they've done like incredible stuff with them. Yeah. Like yeah. I think that they showed that licensed properties can really yeah. work. Yeah, in the nineteen in the nineties and two thousands, if you were a fan of a TV show or a film series. And you wanted to pick up the comic, you're usually picking up a Dark Horse comic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they also have like non-licensed books. They have the Goon. Yeah, they have um, a lot of good. They have uh, yeah. Bonds, I believe Harrow, Harrow County. I think yeah. that's his book. So, so uh, they're great. The book opens with the classic Godzilla introduction, which is a bunch of Japanese people on the fishing boats <laughs> are like, "Oh, there's a big storm. What's going on?" And uh, there's something below us, Captain. And Godzilla comes out of the ocean. And well, no, first the guy's like, I hope it's not Godzilla. And they're like, it's bad luck to even say Godzilla. And he's basically like, well, don't tell Godzilla that. And then Godzilla shows yeah. up. Did somebody go- say my name? <laughs> and we go from the classic Godzilla intro to the classic Charles Barkley intro. <laughs> not really, because actually uh, a kid and his grandpa, they're walking because they want to meet Charles Barkley on the beach. The kid's the biggest Charles Barkley fan. Yeah, you gotta let me in, man. I'm Barkley's biggest fan. And the guy's like, beat a kid, shoot. And there's a bunch of other guys on the, online waiting there. And they're like, oh, I've come all the way from Brisbane. I am Charles Barkley's biggest fan. And one guy's like, I'm an important Hollywood producer. And I'm Barkley's biggest fan. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> 
And and they're like, oh, no, I gotta meet Barkley first. He can't let me in. The, kid, the guy's just like, get the fuck out of your kid. So the kid goes to Grandpa saying, they act like I was John Hinckley or something. And uh, the Grandpa's like, you know, uh, Matthew, when you get as big as Barkley, you have to get take precautions. You be, Maybe you get as big as, as that someday. And the kid's like, doing what? I don't know. Maybe you'll be a great warrior like Barkley. Yeah. <laughs> so this is where they just casually drop in that Charles Barkley is a great warrior. I might have something held on my pocket that might help you. This I also is love ma- that his dad is also, his grandfather is also the sensei from Batman Odyssey. <laughs> this young African-American child from like, where are they, Chicago or yeah, something? Yeah, Chicago. Yeah, from like the streets of Chicago that he wants to be like a basketball player has like an old Scottish dad, I guess, <laughs> based on Sly's interpretation. <laughs> uh, I can't do a Shaft impression, so. <laughs> I might have something in my pocket that could help you. <laughs> This is a magic silver dollar my grandpa gave me when I was your Does age. Does it say it's magic? Yes. A silver dollar. It has magical properties. <laughs> See, I, for some reason, go. took this as, like, a lucky charm, like Fry's seven-leaf clover. Yeah. But no, it's it's straight-up magic, as we find out later. And the kid's like, what's it ever do for you? Boy, I once pitched a no-hitter against New York. So he gives him a magic silver dollar that helped him pitch a no-hitter, which is definitely the same kind of powers it will display later. Yeah. (laughs) Also, no-hitter, why not, like, really sell and make it a perfect game? Well, it's it's magic. It's not... Okay, it can make a Barkley huge, but it can't fucking... God, we're just spoiling everything today. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a a drowning victim on the beach, and it's one of the guys... That was on the boat. And Which, what? Yeah, this is, they were like in Japan. They were in Japan. And now yeah. it's like in, in Chicago. <laughs> or maybe not, maybe they're be, in LA. Maybe they're it in cannot California. be Chicago. Let me see. What maybe this they're is. in California. It absolutely cannot be. There's no way. It's physically impossible for that like fishing boat, unless they're fishing in the Great Lakes. So if it's California, that makes sense. So um, the, the Japanese people are actually for some reason we're actually off the coast of California. This is in California. Okay. But I don't know why they're in California. But the guy is now like, oh, Godzilla. Gojira, Gojira is coming. Oh, sorry, I have racism. For, for, no, no, I think that, that was a reference to the 2000 movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Gojira, suck dick. Gojira. <laughs> keep, keep ad-libbing these movies. No, that's that's a real thing from the movie. What? There's a, there's a Godzilla movie where he's saying Godzilla in, does something in, Jap- in Japanese, but it sounds like, Gojira, suck dick. <laughs> that's whatever, like, that's what it sounds like. Okay. He's saying something in Japanese, but it's like, yeah. Gojira, suck dick. <laughs> So the guy's like, Godzilla's coming, you have to evacuate the coast. And the kid's like, man, don't you know who Godzilla is? And they're like, never heard of Godzilla. And he's like, he's a monster, I guess he's the biggest monster of all time. They call him the king of monsters. What are you, the king of liars? Oh yeah, look out there! And Godzilla's literally right behind this guy. <laughs> Same thing as before. Don't, did somebody say Godzilla? <laughs> I think Godzilla's just really friendly. It's like, oh, hey, somebody said my name. Yeah. Is oh, someone challenging me to a sports off? Yeah. And then he just walks around the city. It's like, what a nice city you have. And he's t- <laughs> he just actually knocks over buildings. like, oh, I'm sorry. And then everyone's evacuating the beach. And the kid's like, but Gramps, the magic silver dollar, I can use to stop Godzilla. You know, because he can make a no-hitter against New York. He can beat Godzilla. 
Matthew, you ain't ready to take on Godzilla. Like, as if he will ever be ready. He's a child. Like, yeah. it's a giant monster. And he's like, not me, Gramps. Charles Brockley's Earth's greatest warrior. Only he can stop Godzilla. <laughs> and then he starts skateboarding towards Charles Brockley. Yeah, and at the same time, he goes, he, he sees, like, these fighter jets and stuff that yeah. are going to attack Godzilla. And he's like, those guys don't know what they're in for. So how does he know so much about Godzilla? Yeah. And, like, the American military Because he's a little nothing. kid. Yeah, every little kid knows about Godzilla. But, the American military, and he's like these silly guys, and yeah. they get like murdered. Yeah, they show people eject. They 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 show guys ejecting out of the fighter jets. But still, so then uh, he goes a to federal see... deficit that might as well be killing people. This was this was a better time. <laughs> this was the nineties. They go. They meet uh, the king. Uh, skateboards up to Charles Barkley because it's nineties. This is my favorite line. Can I say this? Which one? So. He's like, Charles Barkley, take the silver dollar and use it to defeat Godzilla. And Charles Barkley says, I don't have to fight no monster, and I don't need your dollar. Yeah. And he says, but Charles Barkley, you're Earth's greatest warrior. And he goes, you have a good point. You are right. And yes. Then he, and then he just walks away with the kid. He's like, I'll come with you. The kid's like, you gotta stop Godzilla. Take this dollar. I don't have to stop that ugly monster, and I don't want your dollar. You want to give me a dollar? Buy a ticket to the game. So uh, Barkley's a dick, too. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, Barkley's like, oh, you're right, kid, I have to fight Godzilla, because I'm Earth's greatest warrior. <laughs> you know, now that you And then he it, just takes him to go play basketball. Yeah. He doesn't even, like... But first, but first, the, the, his concierge is like, what if you say something that offends somebody, like an old, literal lady in Vermont? Concierge? I, I mean, tell his I mean, PR, man. I mean, his entourage, I guess. His entourage, that makes more sense. <laughs> He's not a hotel. What's a concierge? Concierge is the guy in the front desk at a hotel. His entourage is like, what if you offend? What if you say something offend somebody? Like a little lady in Vermont, and he's like, you guys, tell it's me okay now. Give me some space. <laughs> so he's like, you take your PC culture bullshit. I'm gonna go fight Godzilla. Yeah. So then he goes to play basketball. He really is with the kid. Hero. Yeah. While while uh, Earth's being destroyed. <laughs> I got Earth's greatest warrior. <laughs> And, it's gotta warm up, and and they're like making bets, like, oh, uh, you gotta give me uh fifteen to one odds, cause I'm shorter than you. Yeah, they want to play to fifteen. The kid gets a handicap of thirteen points. Why I remember so this so specifically, I don't know. <laughs> this is my favorite time. And he's like, I'm gonna use the magic silver dollar to win. Yeah, and then they flip. They, they're like, uh, who wants to take out the ball? And they flip for it, and they flip the coin, and it just stands on the edge. And Barkley goes to pick it up, like, oh, that can't be right. And then as he picks it up, he turns gigantic. <laughs> <laughs> like Godzilla's side. Yeah. And he's like, now I feel like playing some hoops. <laughs> His basketball also gets giants. Yeah, yeah, the basketball he's holding gets giants. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, 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 the helicopter's taking around Godzilla, saying, what's going on in this situation? Oh, my God, Godzilla's destroying everything. And, oh, my God, Charles Barkley's here, too. I love a world where no one knows who Godzilla is, but everyone knows who Charles Barkley yeah. is. Rob Valkyrie is great. Yeah, but like, does he have you knucklehead? The, does he have the brand recognition that Godzilla has in America? We have to keep in mind this is before Godzilla '97. This is before Space Jam. How did anyone even know who Charles Barkley was? This is this is like the origin He's story. Re- this is, was really good. Ryan. This is before you were famous, Ryan. This is this is their coming of age story. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was, uh, Barkley tossed his helicopter, saying, "Well, I'm going to lead the monster out of the city." And he throws a basketball at... Uh, yeah, do you like that, that Charles Barkley goes out of his way to ensure there's no, like, collateral damage? Charles Barkley, the guy who tells a little kid to fuck off is a better hero than Superman. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, how about a suitcase? Can you up for a game? And he bounces the ball off Godzilla's uh, head. Yeah. And Godzilla... He's, so he gets really big, and the first thing he does is bully Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. 
And Godzilla starts being fire on him, and and Charles Barkley is just walking out of the way, saying, "Oh yeah, I can't touch this baby. I'm Earth's greatest warrior, Charles yeah. Barkley." And they go to they go to the uh, NASA, whatever the space shuttle station nearby, and there's like a, a shuttle scaffolding, and he pulls shaped it, just like a basketball hoop. Yeah, yeah, and he pulls it down and makes a hoop for them, and um. Uh, and he's like, we're going to play a basketball game. You just can't be fire on me, and we'll play this game together. I said, this is a mismatch. Barkley's, like, in her post-game. Uh, <laughs> unless Godzilla has a very good range shot. I just don't see this going well for Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> so Besides the fact that Godzilla's never played basketball before, I just think he's outmatched. Do you know what I would do if I could adapt this book to a feature film? I would have Joe as sports commentator. Like, and there's Charles Barkley going down the court! <laughs> He's got, a, he's got a great, you know, post game right now. As long as Barkley <laughs> keeps, you know, Godzilla in the paint, I think he's going to be successful. <laughs> so then uh, the kid and uh, the grandpa, their their car, car is parked right outside the fight, and uh, they're watching this. And the kid's like, "I got Charles's gig. I'm like his manager now." And grandpa's like, "Boy, he doesn't even know your name," which is a good point. We don't even know his kid's fucking name. Yeah, he's kid. No, he's a name. I I forgot what it was, but boy. Yeah. Boy, I said boy. <laughs> boy, I said boy. I said sir. I said sir. His grandpa's Foghorn Leghorn now. <laughs> so the uh, uh, Godzilla gets a dunk on Barkley by using his tail to sweep him, and basically doing a foul. And Barkley's like, uh huh, uh-huh, okay. You sure you never played in the NBA? Because that was a major league hit. But now, because so in the NBA, they always use their tails to yeah. sweep people. <laughs> well, early '90s basketball was a lot more physical than the basketball of today. Oh, is that true? Yes. And a lot more reptilian. <laughs> and uh, he's like, in your face, Godzilla, he says as he dunks the ball. I actually think some of his quips are pretty great. Yeah, and there's like a, mon- a, a big splash page, a double-page splash page of him just dunking on Godzilla and just showing him up. And he's like, whoop, there it is. And like crowd's gathering with signs saying, go Charles. And everyone's like, oh my God, Charles is being Godzilla in the game of basketball. Who would have thought Charles Barkley is better at basketball than Godzilla? <laughs> Godzilla, who, who like, can't touch his hands together because his arms are yeah. so short. A guy in a rubber outfit that most of the time we can't even see outside his costume. Yeah, it's more amazing that, like, Godzilla can even dribble the ball. Yeah. And then uh, Godzilla gets pissed off and, and melts the ball with his uh, fire breath. And Charles Barkley's like, what's the matter with you? You going to trash the ball when the game is going your way? You got some moves, a little work. You can maybe tr- get a tryout of the Bulls, one of them second-rate teams. You're going to be t- toasting opposition. Where's your sense of honor? The fact that he mentions the Bulls is great because the Bulls are going to... I don't know if they had this point, they're going to go on to win like five NBA championships in what, this era. Was was uh, Michael Jordan on the team at that time? Yes. <laughs> so he's like, come on, come here. He like puts his hand over his shoulder and starts walking away to the sunset. He's like, come here. They, do, they, they have that buddy moment. Yeah, where he like, says he's yeah. going to get him some serious equipment. Let me talk to you. You just need the right attitude and the right equipment. I know some people make you, the, make you some shoes. Who? Who? He just has shoes next scene. <laughs> yeah. They're size 13,000 triple E sneakers. Whatever that means. The E, the e means like it's like extra wide. Oh, okay. So basically, Godzilla has the sneakers and he tells Godzilla, you got to do a million layups. I'll be checking on you. And he's like, okay, go see you in 100 years. So just like in Grounded, making empty promises and walking away. <laughs> this Not is does he walk away, he also shrinks as soon as he says this. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is like... This is, I guess this is like the this story's equivalent of when Godzilla goes underwater for a um, hundred years to resurface <laughs> when Earth needs him again. Just tell them to practice. When, when Earth, when uh, the monsters come, yeah, the monsters come from now. <laughs> so then uh, it says in, in the caption, Godzilla got busy as Godzilla starts playing basketball with his nice new shoes. Uh, do they say are they Nikes? Uh, they have the swoosh. It's Nikes. Okay. So then, uh, uh Charles takes a, f- a plane back to uh California. 
And uh, kids Chicago. like kids in uh, it's in California, it's Chicago, <laughs> not Chicago. Ryan. <laughs> and the, and the kids it was argue- never Chicago, Ryan. And the kids and the kids arguing with this other kid, and the kids like you don't you don't know Berkeley, you can't switch that ball. And the kids like I do and I can. Uh, just forget about Berkeley. I'll bet you a uh, buck you can't switch that ball. I don't have a buck. And the, Berkeley's like, Yo, Matthew, I owe you a dollar. And the and the kid is like, Thanks, Berkeley, and throws the ball into the basket and goes, There it is, swoosh. I I wish that the kid was like, You're not Charles Berkeley. You're just an imposter. <laughs> You're just some wannabe. <laughs> Gal here, you wannabe. So- that ends the saga of Godzilla vs. Trump. Yeah, Martin. the epic saga. As I asked for the last book, who was this for? People who love great stuff. <laughs> okay. You enjoy things. This book was amazing. This book is amazing. But like when they wrote this, like people who read, who people saw the commercial and wanted the full story. Apparently. Okay. Okay. I guess. People who wanted like just like the, the kiss story. When you when you read the kiss book, you want to learn more about Marvel. You watch the commercial about learn the lore of Godzilla and Charles Barkley. I wonder. This is a jumping I, on point for both Godzilla fans and Charles Barkley fans. I wonder if Dark Horse had a Godzilla book at that time. They did. They, they have, did. They have, they have, I got this as part of like a Godzilla set. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So and also I should mention the creative team: Mike Barron wrote the script, Jeff Bowler did the pencils, and Alan Smithy did the plot. And Alan Smithy is a well-known alias for for people who who don't want to get their name on yeah. a higher production. <laughs> Um, so, are we in agreement that so far both of these books are like 10 out of 10? Yeah, these are all winners. Yeah. So, our final story is a return to two characters we visited before. Punisher and Eminem. <laughs> so, Eminem versus the Punisher. Eminem versus the Punisher. When did this come out? It came out in 2009. Okay. Wow. That's, that's actually... much later than I thought. Me too. Yeah. And, wow. um... And also, this this was a big big hype issue too. It was a digital comics event. It was like one of the big digital events of Marvel. They're hyping up their Marvel digital service, and um, and this has a grade A creative team as well. Yeah, the writer is Fred Van Lente. Fred Van Lente wrote the most recent Hercules series with Greg Pak, and he wrote an amazing Valiant book called Ivar Time Walker. Fred Van Lente is great. He's he also, a great I think writer. he did a. Um... So the volumes of the Marvel Zombies, the later, I think. I think four he did five. too. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, then he's awesome. The artist is Salvador Larocco. We've done before. We've we talked about him for *She Lies of the Angels*. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he now does the uh, the Darth Vader comic book for Marvel. Yes, and he's done a lot of Iron Man. Yeah, he did *Fractions Iron Man*. Yeah. He is a staple. Yes. Of this this his work on this book is a, is an improvement over *She Lies of the Angels*. Mo. I really like like his work on this book. We didn't really dump on his art. No, we didn't. But I, I think this is this is a clear growth from *Shadows of yeah, Angels*, which absolutely. is like uh, eight years before this. He does a realistic style really well. Yeah, he uh, and this is very popular for this book because this is like trying to draw him and then as he looks like in real life and does a good job. Like it looks like if you ever read any like photorealistic book like Greg Land or any for or even well Salvador Larocca does a book with Warren Ellis called *New Universal* that every character is based on an actor. So oh, so he, he's done this before. Yeah, he's done this kind of thing before. Yeah, so we had an A-list team and it was done. I think it was done to hype up Eminem's new album. And I don't know what Punisher was doing. Maybe this movie came out at the time. It was 2009. Who who else would you put in a book with Eminem? I think the Punisher is the most natural. Yeah, and fit. I think I think Eminem like is a nat- like people like Eminem just because like he kills people. I have a feeling a lot of rap fans like Punisher just because he kills people. All right, well, let's does Eminem dive kill people in real life? Is that a thing? no? But like, all this, <laughs> have you ever listened to Eminem's? Okay, this song, this, this story is called "Kill You," and the and the refrain is. You don't want to fuck with Shady, because Shady will fucking kill you. And he talks about chainsawing people. In he his mentions movie. that, yeah.
So, uh, the story opens with Eminem at a Detroit uh, rap Detroit concert. Rock City. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, of course, because Eminem's Detroit. Yeah. He's, he's really losing himself in this moment. Yeah. And um, he steps out and he's like... Uh, I could really go for some mom's spaghetti right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> See, I know things about Eminem. And uh, outside, um, his, his limo's waiting and um, Punisher's waiting there. And uh, Punisher opens fire on his uh, his homies. His concierge. His, <laughs> his homies, as Eminem puts it. And um, Eminem's like, damn, why is this motherfucker maniac after me? And it's it's censored, but that's what Eminem's saying. Yeah. Somebody, uh, somebody grabs Eminem and, grabs him to, and pulls him into an alleyway. And it's Barracuda, who is a well-known Punisher villain. I think Joe can explain better yes, than I can. Uh, Barracuda is a crazy son of a bitch who originates from uh, Garth Ennis's, uh Max Punisher run. Um, he has a lot of... He's a character whose first story didn't really do a whole lot for me, and I didn't really understand why people liked him. And then his finale story um, in Punisher, I think is probably one of the best Punisher stories I've read ever. So I have, I have a little bit of an affinity for the character. I don't necessarily know. He winds up getting his own miniseries, too. Yeah, he does. I haven't read that. But if you're interested in the character, it's there. Yeah, to quote Sly, he's a Punisher villain that outlasted his first appearance, yeah. which is rare enough. Yeah, Punisher, especially in Punisher Max, because you do not last very long in that yeah. book. Yeah, uh, so Barracuda grabs Eminem and he's like, "He ain't after you. You just got the misfortune of standing in my general fucking vicinity." And uh, Eminem's like, "Barracuda, the hell you doing here, homie? I ain't seen you since the back at the hip hop shop." So apparently Barracuda's a rap rapper. He goes to hip hop shops. Yeah, apparently apparently they they know each other. Now yeah, in Barracuda. Yeah, which is and, a and thing. Ba- and uh, and Barracuda's like, oh, you know, a little of this murder for hire, a little of that overthrowing small Central American government. <laughs> yeah, that would. Are those references to the Cent Max story at all? It could be. Every, it, he's a well-known like gun for hire okay. mercenary. And uh, uh, they, they set up a trap for the Punisher, where basically. Eminem's like waiting inside this house, and Eminem's like, "Hey, Mr. Superhero, over here! Get me away from this crazy bastard! I don't deserve this! I'm a celebrity!" And then and Punisher's like, "Settle down, Rockstar! I'll have you back in your jacuzzi before you know it." <laughs> and, and Eminem's like, "Rockstar, fuck then!" Weps Punisher with a gun and knocks him out. And Eminem says, "You don't want to fuck with Shady, cause Shady will fucking kill you." <laughs> they they quote Eminem songs. Sometimes. I know that song now that I hear it with those dulcet tones. <laughs> and then Eminem's like, "Damn, that was easy." And he shoots Punisher in the chest. Punisher got chumped by, uh, by yeah. Eminem. Yeah, reading this, I'm like, this doesn't sit well. But... <laughs> well, to be fair, Eminem did kick ass with a gun in Wanted. So maybe it's possible. And he's super sucker punch punch. To be fair, that wasn't Eminem in Wanted. That was, <laughs> was basically Eminem. That's some guy modeled after Eminem. Eminem. I'm taking it as Eminem. I'm not. My headcanon says it's Eminem. Yeah. Oh, we're not doing this right now. Just, <laughs> just, 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 can, just can we move on, please? As Eminem's shooting Punisher in the chest, he says, Why this fool after you in the first place, Kuda? And Barracuda puts a gun to his head and says, Aw, ain't no thing. He found out I got hired to smoke some punk-ass rapper. And he shoots Eminem right in the chest. Yeah. I thought the book was going to end here. That would have been great. <laughs> that would have been fucking hilarious. With both of them dead. <laughs> and so it cuts two hours later. They're on like a... They're on a boat and they're tied up on the floor together. And um, Barracuda's singing, Hush little baby, don't say a word. Mama's going to buy you a mockingbird. And Eminem's like, Oh, it's not a musical play at my funeral. Just didn't think I'd be around to hear it. 
kind of hoped it would sound good, too. And the Punisher's like, maybe you should have thought before shooting the guy you're trying to save you three times in the body armor. <laughs> Pretty fair point. Trying to call, you trying to call that saving me? You went post on my security. Most of them have been my homies for years. Not for nothing. They pulled on me first. So then, uh, uh, as they're bitching, uh, Barracruz comes out saying, Aw, oh, ain't this sweet. If y'all done with your conjugal visit, we best get down to business here. I'll be freezing my favorite pots. His toes? <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> and, then, and then them's like, how could you do this to me like this? Man, we grew up together. And I like that can edition that Barracuda and them, them are, are grew up together. They're homies. Yeah. yeah. And, and Barracuda's like, oh, don't go all bitch on me with, with the we was homies in the hood. Lying, you find out I was Marshall. Just business is all. Hehe. <laughs> them blue heads of the parents, music council really don't like you. What? Those Bible-thumping bastards? I actually think this is hilarious. Yeah. I love that, that it's yeah. the, like, the people protesting his music for being too violent hired a mercenary to yeah. kill him. I think that that is really clever yeah. and really fun. I thought that was brilliant. I yeah, that was, I really like it. That was probably my favorite part of this yeah. whole book. Yeah, and uh, uh, Barracuda is like, yeah, the preachers wanted me to go old, old testament on your ass. And like even the dialogue around here is just yeah. like clever. Yeah. So then uh, he dumps Eminem onto the ice. But the eye is, is, is too thick, and then he just splats onto it. And Barracuda's like, oh, I guess I better do this the hard way. And grabs his gun, and he's about to shoot. But before he does, he says, ha, my name is what? My name is who? Ticka, ticka, Slim Shady. <laughs> he doesn't get to finish it. Yeah, he's about to say that, but then yeah. Puncher kicks him right in the, in the shins. And Puncher and him starts fighting. And then Eminem goes, goes walking off on the ice. And he finds a guy ice fishing in the middle of nowhere. Yes. And the guy, And the guy's like, Wow, are you Eminem? I know you're probably here all the time, but I'm your biggest fan. And the guy has a chainsaw, too. Yeah, you know, it's a couple well, of I, I, Yeah, exactly. You're going to cut the hole in the ice. And he says, I got a house full of your pictures and your posters, man. Which is not a reference to an Eminem song. And uh, Eminem. Which is the guy's name was Stan, too. I don't get it. Ace Freely? <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, Eminem takes a chainsaw from him because um, he wants to chainsaw Barracuda in the face. And uh, Puncher and Barracuda are fighting, but um, uh, Barracuda gets a uh, drop on Punisher. Is he? Is Punisher still has like his hands tied behind his back at this point? Yeah. And yeah. Barracuda's being shot of him, and he's about to of kill. Of course he is. He has got his hands tied behind his back. And he's about to, he's about to kill uh, Punisher. And <laughs> you don't then... have to justify it, Joe. <laughs> How do you explain the Eminem scene, uh, Joe? Then Eminem has to look good at some point, other than this, than like at the end of the story. <laughs> So the story's only like 15 pages long. 18, I know. 18 pages. <laughs> He's gotta get his licks on. So then Eminem takes a chainsaw and starts chainsawing the fuck out of Barracuda. And yeah, it's really gross. Like, he chainsaws like half of his torso. It kind of comes out of nowhere how gory it is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Eminem chainsaws the fuck out of him and says, Yeah, yeah! As he pushes him into ice and says, Ice ain't thick enough to hold your big ass! <laughs> and then uh, Punisher takes a gun to um, Eminem's head and, and says, Get on the ice. And Eminem's like, what? Did you have your eyes closed the whole entire time? Unlike you, I actually saved your ass. You killed Barracuda. He tries to kill me. Criminal's a criminal. He was going to kill Barracuda. And Eminem did it instead. How? What? Yeah, <laughs> just keep going. Punisher Punch is a criminal, too. He should shoot himself in that. <laughs> that should be the finale to this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your prize is just he fucking out of whack. You know that? And then Punisher shoots. It seems like Punisher shoots him. But he actually shoots the ice around him. And basically makes the ice like drift away from him. The yeah. main ice, uh, like uh, Buddy the Elf. <laughs> 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 I 
the Mr. Norwalk pops out of the ice with Barracuda, like, impaled on his horn. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, but then hope you find your mom. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, kill of your homies, Marshall, is what Eminem says. <laughs> no, Punisher says that. Yeah, you have those switched. Oh, uh. uh Which is also weird, because Frank would not apologize for killing them. Sorry, I killed your homies, dog. <laughs> Uh, so then he's like, not Raven. And he gives um, Eminem a military phone, and he says, you can get rescue out here. And Eminem says, we are, where are you going? To pay a visit to the uh, parents, music council, hiring a contract killer, serious crime. And Eminem's like, oh, really? Cool. Do me a favor and tell him shady, Sam, you. As the Punisher rides off in his boat. I kind of love this ending a lot. Me too. And the story ends with that scene. This was a lot of fun. So it was like I wouldn't say this is like if you really love Punisher or you really love Eminem. I don't think you'll like the way either is portrayed. It's, I think the kiss story it, is like, like a fun parody comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's more like it's more like something like Punisher Kills Mario Universe, something like that, where you're just having fun with the concept. Basically. Yeah. yeah, I would say Kiss is more like a perfect way to merge Kiss and Marvel. Yeah, the thing is, all three of these stories, especially the Eminem one, are so short that like. It was a fun way to spend ten minutes. Yeah, you know, like it's it's not a huge investment time yeah. wise. It's just a lot of fun. So all three, yeah, recommend these are plus. all winners. Yeah. So the question I wanted to ask before we wrap up: How much input do you think the celebrities themselves had onto these comics? I wonder. Like Kiss, I feel like we're more involved because there was like the ink stuff. It was much more of a publicity. Yeah, thing. and I think that was one of the first times they ever did that. Like now it's more common, but back then you never had celebrities. Yeah, I wonder if Charles Barkley like just allowed them to use his his probably like, yeah. license his name. A lot of sports athletes have. Like, yeah, I thought that's part of like the whole when he agreed to do the commercial. Yeah, like I feel like you know the, the comic book was a part of that yeah. deal. And uh, you know, like, and I wonder like if Eminem like had anything to do with this book or he just like. Signed off on But that. I just, like, I. those are the things I wonder, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff. The Kiss one is so well-publicized, I'm sure we could research it, but, like, the Eminem one yeah. might not be as easy to I know that existed out. until you told me. Yeah, that. same. Uh, you guys didn't know Charles Barkley versus Godzilla just before I told you. Yeah. No. So, and that wraps up a three-part review of these comics. Yeah. I think we did a job well done. I think they, the creators did a job well done, too. Yes. But Shout mostly out. us. Yeah, so shout out to all these creators. You are talented people. Yeah, well, I was shocked. When we picked these books, I was shocked at how much I like in- thoroughly enjoyed them. So, we have a letter. <laughs> we have a letter. Page. Yes. But from who? From Daryl. From Daryl. From Daryl on Facebook. <sighs> and if you guys have any questions or comments or anything, or just want to tell us we suck, it's at Divisive Issues on Twitter. You can also tell us how good we are. You can also do that if you want. Butter us up and then recommend books that you want us to do. Yeah. Butter our toast. Butter, butter our <laughs> toast. And, uh, you know, deviceofissuesgmail.com, deviceofissues on Facebook. Luckily, we got uniform usernames and everything, so it works out. So Daryl says, Though comics are prone to tackle a wide variety of issues, death in comic books has always been a fickle subject, thanks to the ongoing serialized nature of the medium. Plenty of heroes have suffered the long sleep and revealed what a world would be like in their absence, but this eventually gets reversed with everything returning to the status quo. How do you guys feel about this? Are you okay with death being a minor vacation for the well-known A-listers, while for some reason their parents and relatives must remain six feet under? In what cases should a character remain dead, if any? Additionally, could comics make Jean Grey and Superman dying again impactful when fans know that they'd eventually have to return if for no other reason than lost sales? Why don't you start, Joe? Why don't I start? I would oh. like to point out that Jean Grey has been dead for over a decade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there is a teen Dean Grey from the past. Dean Grey. Teen Jean Grey. For la- for yes, I do understand that. 
it's ah. not pure death. Yeah. No, no, I absolutely get what he's going for. Um, yeah, I think they can absolutely make it. They can absolutely make an impact. Well, I think some of the most impactful stories of like the past ten years have been a uh, the death of Batman, and uh, the death of Captain America. I thought those were incredibly impactful because yeah. of how well they used the status quos. Like it wasn't just like they died. Like it was they died, and their death was felt throughout the entire universe. Yeah. You know? They died for a narrative reason. Yeah. And they bolstered, they took older characters and gave them brand new roles. Yeah. And really told a great story. Like, they weren't just deaths, they were, like, a whole new status quo for, like, characters, like, throughout Marvel, at least for, like, the death of Captain America. Yeah. Like, it impacted, they kind of impacted, like, not just the people in his book, it impacted Iron Man, it impacted uh, the Avengers, like, it impacted Thor. It was really, really cool. I mean, when Batman died, we got a new Batman, we got a new Robin, we got a new Batgirl, Batwoman became a more prevalent character. It reshaped and revamped the entire Batline. And, like... We all knew he was coming back, too. Yeah, but it didn't matter, because... Yeah. And that's still my favorite era of Batman. Yeah. Is right before and right after the death of Bruce Wayne. No, so Batman, think, and, Batman and Robin... Grand Morrison Batman and Robin is fantastic. Yeah. It's my favorite part And of I run. think it's... That whole revamp status quo is kind of the kick in the leg that the Batman franchise needed. Yeah. That really... The, the like... Five or six years leading up to that, I was not enjoying Batman comics at all. So yeah, to guess to answer this question, yeah, these deaths can absolutely still be impactful, still have meaning. Yeah. Even though, you know, the inevitable, they'll come back. Another great one is uh, the death of Johnny Storm in uh, Jonathan Hickman's yeah. uh, Fantastic Four slash Future Foundation run. Yeah. Really kind of revamped that whole line. A lot of his death, I think, the death of major character, I think, means more now than it did before. Because they can, I feel like they could tell more nuances, more nuanced stories about people responding to it and everything. And like, I just reread Hickman's Fantastic Four, and I read it before, and I know Johnny comes back pretty soon after. But still, reading his death scene is still very powerful. Yeah. And like, even knowing Batman comes back, reading the scene when Alfred gets his farewell message from Bruce Wayne is still very powerful. And I actually used to be a lot harsher on death and resurrections in comics until I read an interview with Matt Fraction and he said that the writer of the Great Thor run yeah Fraction generally a great writer has a couple shitty he has some misses yeah we'll do the Thor run eventually but he yeah definitely but he talked about how we get to play escapism with every other element in comics we get to see what what's it like if a man could fly what if it's like what is it like if if having someone with the powers of Superman was a good guy. What if we get to play escapism with every other nature? How come these characters can't also wow us by escaping death? And that kind of made me reform it in a little way where he said like the deaths are powerful and emotional, but what you really want to see is how they claw their way back. And like sometimes it's done really cheap for lost sales like Daryl said and all that stuff. But even though like when they undo deaths, when Johnny Storm shows up, it's a big fuck yeah emotional moment. When Bruce Wayne finally comes back and hugs Tim Drake as Robin for the first time, you know, that's his adopted father. It's yeah. a powerful moment. Yeah. You know, when Captain America comes back and picks up the shield for the first time, that mean that's just as powerful. Yeah, the first issue the of JMS's Thor, when Thor is contemplating, do I even want to come back? Yeah. Really, really great stuff. And we get to break all the rules, all the rules of physics when we tell superhero stories. What's one more to me? 
I just I love the comeback. It's just so impactful. They like not even not even death is going to stop like Captain America or Batman yeah, or not any even of these death characters. is going to stop Barry Allen from saving his wife. Yeah, things like that. Like, and that. But having said that, there are times that someone coming back is forced and shitty and gimmicky. Just like there's times people dying is forced and shitty and gimmicky. Yeah. For me, it can be impactful. It can be extremely impactful, both them coming back and dying, if it's a good story. Yeah. What about you, Sly? What do you think? I'm kind of um, a bit harsher than you guys. Um, one of the Sly f- hates hope. I hate hope. No, but the problem <laughs> is, uh, one of the first comics I ever read was stuff like Death of Superman, which is ironic because that was the one that's the format of you kill him off with the plan to bring him back and just show what will happen while he's dead, basically, in the time that he's dead. But I, I didn't read The Return of Superman for a while. I, I got the trade for my friend. My, my, it's my cousin. so good. It is a great story, but I got... Even that, that has such a fuck yeah moment. Yeah, so uh, Death of Superman, I got, I got it when I was a kid and it's one of the first Superman comic stories I read where he dies. And um, It was my first Superman story, too. Yeah, so um, I read that story. Then when I started getting into comics more seriously... I read uh, Dark Phoenix Saga, and that's a story where Jean Grey dies. And those two stories made me really um, view comics as something more than can, they could be something more than what people really view them as, which is that nothing really matters. These are all episodic; the same thing happened over and over again. And uh, I, I will give credit: a lot of modern comics do do it really well. Like, like, uh, like I said, Superman started the, the, the format of you. Kill the character off, the plan to bring him back, but you tell really great stories in the meantime. Yeah. Like, Death Insurance Superman, World of Superman has a lot of great moments where you're just waiting for Superman to come back and, you, and like, you're hoping for him to come back. And they play with that expectation yeah. really, really well. Yeah, and, like, I've read a little bit of Batman while Batman was gone, and that's a, that's a great status quo when Dick is uh, Batman. And you could tell really great stories in the meantime, and it's hard to make something like that stick. I just do wish it wasn't so automatically assumed. Like, I wish there was some element of mystery whether he will come back or not. Don't you think a lot of that has to do with fans, though? It is about like, the fans. Like, Thor hasn't had his hammer for a long time. That's more legacy. Yeah. But, like, things like that... Like, I don't think I th- Thor has been seen yet. Since new- Secret Wars? Yeah. Well, like, but that's the thing is when a character dies or a character goes down with the status quo yeah. or whatever, I feel like fans immediately have this expectation. I don't think that's really the industry's fault that that's much. True. And I think that it's unfair because... When I read, like, Death of Wolverine, I was so hesitant to read, because I was like, ah, he'll be back, he'll be back, whatever. He's not back yet. He's not back yet, for the record. And also, like, why am I allowed to disparage them for saying that, for me saying, they'll be back, they'll be back, when I read Death of Superman, and I bought Death and Return of Superman together, I knew... I wonder if he comes back. But I knew for a fact he was coming back, and I still love that story. How come when it's unsure, when there's a chance he's not, how come I get to complain? Yeah, I feel like that's unfair. That the best death stories we talked about Cap, we talked about Batman. They we knew they were coming back when yeah. we read those because it had already happened. We're and then but then we complain that like oh they're just coming back soon. But we still love those other stories. I feel like that's more fan fault. And also another uh, good point is uh, my problem with that is it makes things potentially too episodic. But like you guys pointed out, it's a huge status quo change. And even when status quo shifts back nowadays. It's not always exactly the same. Like right now, Sam Wilson, who is Falcon, will be Captain America for a while. Then Steve Rogers will become Captain America again. But even now, now there's a status quo where both of them are Captain America at the same time. Yeah. And, uh, 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 Sam has the shield while Steve doesn't. Dick Grayson's Robin is still Robin. Yeah. You know, he and he died and came back and he's still Robin. Yeah. yeah. You know, that didn't tra- go back. 
So yeah, I think it, it can be impactful if you do it for a reason. If you just bring someone back just to bring them back for sales, I think it shows, and fans get mad at them. I, I think preferences aside, the ultimate uh, deciding factor is, is, is it a good story? Yeah. Whether you're planning it ahead to bring him back or not. That's the main thing that we talk about, I think, a lot on this show, is some of these ideas we talk about are great, some of these ideas we talk about are terrible, and they end up being great stories or shitty stories. Yeah. It all depends on... You can have the wackiest idea. Look at comics in general. The wackiest idea, well executed, is a classic comic book. Yeah. Do we just do that tonight? Yeah. 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 <laughs> these books were so much fun and yeah. great, and they are premises They are the wackiest sh- ideas. And these are premises that should not work. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So... Just a reminder, uh, rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe. Do we want to do recommendations? All that stuff. Yeah. But okay. I like to, you know, keep that with the letters. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so now, very lastly, we have recommendations. If you like the Kiss comic book, I highly, highly recommend the feature film Kiss Attack of the Phantoms. <laughs> what? It's, it is available on Kissology Volume 2, <laughs> and it is a haunted amusement park that Kiss is at, and they're trying to stop a phantom demon thing and they have superpowers and they are never explained just at one point there's a weird scene where they're like oh here's the talisman that gives us our powers and that's it that's all you get and the even kiss who never admits anything they do is stupid at the end of, i saw an interview with them and they're like we don't even understand what happened at the end of that movie it is a classic good bad movie i if if you like the wackiness of the kiss comic book the movie is Three times as good. And I like the book. I highly recommend it. Uh, do you have one, Joe? I'm drawing a blank right now. It's hard, right? It is hard. I- I'm thinking um, my, my recommendation is... Space Jam. That's a good recommendation. <laughs> Joe, you want to take that actually, one? No, 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 you go. Uh, I'll go Space Jam. <laughs> it's, it's Charles Barkley. It's a weird team-up that you'll never expect, but it works in a weird way. It's celebrities showing up in a cartoon universe. Yeah. <laughs> like It's like it's J- Michael Jordan, fucking Charles Barkley... Newman, uh, uh, Bill Murray. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone needs us to tell him why Space Jam is yeah. awesome. Yes, but if you're like a oh, maybe a guy didn't grow up in the '90s and you're like a 2000s kid, that's true. That's true. Go, Space Jam's awesome. Space Jam's awesome. It's like, it's like, it's like just like these books. It's not like oh Emmy Oscar winning material, but it's like you want to have fun. You want to see Michael Jordan meet Looney Tunes. It's a bizarre premise, and they just run with it. Yeah. Also, yeah. Lola Bunny. Yes. <laughs> okay. Speaking of furries. <laughs> Uh, She's the, my Beth. <laughs> I might, this will be a preview of our next episode uh, for celebrity stuff. The Adventures of the Kool-Aid Man. God, I'm so <laughs> dumb. Uh, Marvel put out a Kool-Aid Man-based uh, comic, <laughs> and it's just nothing but spectacular. It's such a good time. Um, Kool-Aid uh, Man beats the Thirsties, um, who are interrupting like a softball game, and it's just spectacular. We will be talking about it soon when we talk about more corporate and less celebrity tie-ins. Oh, yeah. But it's going to be awesome. So look forward to that. Yeah. All right. Well, I've been Joe Siano. I've been Slycraven. And I'm Ryan Lynch. All right, everyone. Stay in continuity and have a good night. (laughs) 